Thank you, Aaron. Do you realize that pastors make mistakes? When I came in to give the bulletin information on Thursday, I left something out. And it was my fault. And it's Cherry Montalban. She's going to have the song instead of the closing hymn. we got so much talent in this church that uh, we have to create places for them to sing. And so she's going to be singing instead of the, the closing song. So you don't have to sing. She can sing this time. A few months ago, I received a phone call. And someone says, I just saw someone on 3ABN TV. His name is Mark something. And he goes to other churches. You need to get him to come to your, to our church. And I said, fine, if you can figure out what his last name is, I'll be more than happy to ask him to come. Never heard anything back. A few weeks later, received a phone call from our daughter in Missouri. We were just watching 3ABN, and there was Anthony, somebody that uh, does cooking schools, and you ought to ask him to come to your church. And I said, fine, give me more information. No more and finish that, and I'm here at church, and the phone rings, and somebody says, this is Mark Anthony. And I was just about ready to say, to ask, where's Cleopatra? I held my tongue, and he says, I am going around in the area. You might have seen me on 3ABN, and then it all of a sudden it clicked. Mark and Anthony. And I said, yes. And he says, we're coming to the area, and you can't believe his schedule. I thought I had a bad schedule, but man, this guy is traveling all over in a lot of these little towns and places, and people have already heard him. Like you came from Fontana last night. He was in Fontana last night. I, he no more than finished. I got a phone call from someone who says, we heard that Mark Anthony was in Fontana. There was a non-Adventist that was there that was all excited about it. He's on some type of television, they said. He's supposed to be in Beaumont. I want to come to Beaumont to listen to him. And so this lady says, well, I haven't heard anything about it, but let me invite a bunch of other friends. So she's called on the phone. She called me to ask the address of the church and to find out the time and everything. So if you're going to come tonight, and I invite you to come tonight, it starts at 6, but I would suggest you come early because we're going to try to figure out how we're going to crowd everybody in here. But I'm glad that I finally put Mark and Anthony together, and I'm glad that he called, and I am very glad that he is here this morning to be able to share with us. We won't even say what this is up here for. We're going to see that a little bit later. Be prepared, because one of the things, he doesn't come in demanding that the church gives him a 1000 or $2,000 to, to come and to be here. He just takes up a free will offering, so at the end, be prepared for another offering. I know. Seems like the church is always wanting more money. But this is for his ministry, for his travel time to go to a lot of these churches that cannot afford to have someone from the 3ABN to come to their churches. And uh, we're very fortunate to be able to help out at that time. So, Mark, this is your pulpit today. You share what the Lord has on mine. I think it's your testimony as well, too. And he says, what time we quit? I said, when you're done.
Amen. Amen. Wow. I guess I'm doing a testimony today. <laughs> In fact, I looked at the uh, schedule and I said, oh, I'm doing a uh, sermon on trust and obey, too. Um, sometimes I just don't know what I'm doing from one stop to another. Uh, and beautiful song, Miss Aaron. That was just beautiful. One of the things I really talk to uh, with people about is getting that tunnel vision. And most people in society, they're like, well, you know, they want to look outside the box. And I always kind of, and that song just put it, you know, just focus on Christ and keep Christ the center of your life and keep your tunnel vision on Christ. Because when you're going through that tunnel and you're focused on Christ, all of a sudden, and you're walking through the tunnel and Christ is getting bigger and more clear, and all of a sudden, all the dirt that you've been walking through is behind you. You see how that works? And all of God's glory becomes everything you're looking at. So I really, you know, that song just hit me on that. Amen. Well, Father God, I come to you in thanks, and I thank you for bringing us all together today. And your blessings are upon us in just so many ways we can't even explain. And I just ask for your um, help and the Holy Spirit to use me as I surrender to you so that uh, your words will be running through me. And I just pray in thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I talk a, a little bit about trust and obey here because that's one of the things we have to do more than anything in the world is trust and obey. I mean, it's two of the major, major factors in our relationship with Christ. And when you really start thinking about it, how many of us trust and obey? Quite a few, quite a few, you think about it. But how many of us really trust and really obey? There's a big difference between thinking, oh, I trust the Lord. Oh, yeah, I obey the Lord. I obey the Ten Commandments. You start kind of looking at this and saying, do I really, really, really trust the Lord? And do I really, really, really obey Yes, I obey most of the commandments. Is that the way it's supposed to be? Or do you obey all the commandments? And do you obey the different things that God is telling you throughout life? I mean, trusting and obeying can go way beyond just what the Bible says. We have to trust and obey the Bible, amen? But we also have to trust and obey what God is telling us on a daily basis. And one of the things that we need more than anything else in the world, because we have to know how to trust God, we got to know what to be obeying, and the thing we need more than anything else in the world in order to trust and obey is discernment. How many of us pray for discernment every day? You have to pray for discernment. That is the most important prayer that you could ever possibly have is praying for discernment. Praying for your discernment, you can pray for other people's discernment too. And when you have the discernment, then you can start seeing the ways that you can trust and obey. You're going to see those individual people, and God's going to be talking to you because you're going to be a better listener. That's the way you learn how to trust and obey, is becoming a better listener and listening to what God is saying to you. And when you have discernment, you know that it is God that is saying that to you. Amen? I was, in fact, uh, yeah, 70 stops on this tour. 70. 
by the end of the year, on my second, my third, my second tour this year, I'll have done cooking shows in every single state in the country. And in fact, last year, my first stop was Flagstaff, Arizona. And I'm coming into Flagstaff and uh, going up those big hills from Phoenix. And those are big hills. And my van is overheating. And I go about a mile and my van stops and I got to get out and, and wait a half hour. And then I'd go another mile and my van would be overheating again. And uh, wait another half hour and then I'd have to go another mile. And uh, it took me hours and hours to get to Flagstaff. And it was actually on the Sabbath. It was, and I finally get there. My brother's on the phone calling AutoZone saying, Hey, uh, yeah, I've got the parts you need there. And when I got there, the sun was already down. Uh, it was still light enough to see outside. So I went into AutoZone, got my parts. I get down on my steering wheel. I get my parts. I'm in the car. And I can fix vehicles, so I'm, I don't have a problem mechanically. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. Just thank you so much for getting me here safe. And while it, I still have a little bit of light to see. And all of a sudden, I'm like, look up. And I look up, and here's this kid coming over the side of my car. And I'm, I'm like, I rolled down my window, and I'm like, can, can I help you? And, and he says, you know, are you okay? Because he probably thought I was sick or something. I was down there praying like that. And he's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm on a 7,000-mile trip, and um, my van's overheating. And he says, well, I can call somebody. And I said, amen. And he gets on his cell phone, he makes his call, and he gets back with me, and he says, uh, I got somebody that can come over in about 20 minutes. And I said, amen. And uh, we started talking for a little while. And he says, you say amen an awful lot. He says, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. And he says, me too. And I said, amen. <laughs> so here we are, and I'm like, okay, divine appointment. I've got my discernment going, and now I'm looking at my trusting and obeying God, okay, in a certain manner to reach one person. And I'm like, okay, divine appointment here. So I gave him some material, some Christian material, and talked with him a little while. The guy that was coming over to work on the vehicle was the head of the men's ministry at his church. And I was like, okay, another divine appointment here. And I'm starting to look at this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And uh, I'm going to just be obedient as to what you want me to do. And I'm praying. I'm praying before this whole thing when I find out that it's the head you know, uh, of his men's ministry. So I started, you know, he started going through the vehicle and said I needed this, 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 and this. And he did the whole vehicle for 150 bucks. And then I was like, amen. You know, but I had five hours in the freezing cold witnessing with him. Just one person like that. And that's the kind of trusting and obeying that, that I really think that we're missing in the church. We need to get in tune with that inner person, you know, that's, you know, in tune with Christ because we're not listening. You know, God is telling us all the time, hey, you can reach this person, you can reach this person. I kid you not, there are going to be so many red heads up in heaven. Everywhere. Oh, if I would have known, you know, I could have reached that person. Oh, man, I had no idea that's the way it was, you know. Oh, there, that person too. I mean, there are so many people that we could be reaching out there, and we're really not. Because we're not listening. And when we start listening, we have that discernment then we can trust and know that we're doing what God wants us to do. I mean, yeah, Pastor, you're right. I go to some of the roughest churches. I go to the worst neighborhoods, bars on the church windows. I go to the smallest churches that um, Phelan maybe has eight or ten people in their congregation every week at Sabbath, but yet they had 60 people at the cooking show. 
You know, and people ask me too, these other people that do cooking shows, I do the opposite of what they do. They charge the churches, they charge uh, the people that are attending. I don't do any of that. I do it for free all the way across the board. And, uh, and they ask me, they're like, why do you mess with those little churches? Why do you mess with those, you know, inner city churches and stuff? And I just look at them, I'm like, why don't you? You know? Yeah. I'm just trusting God. I'm obeying what He wants me to do. You know, He wants me to go on the road. I'm, I'm just being obedient to what he, I feel like He wants me to do. And you have to have that discernment so you know. I mean, back in... I'll tell you a little bit about my culinary uh, history here later on. Um, but uh, back in uh, um, Las Vegas, I uh, was a caterer. I was an executive chef at the age of 24, the youngest executive chef of a major casino in Las Vegas. Uh, just within a few short years, I ended up having my own catering company, catering to a lot of celebrities, Jack Nicholas and Montel and Ario Speedwagon and lots. I mean, just I've got chef's coat after chef's coat of quotes and celebrity signatures and stuff. And I had my own catering company uh, for, for a few years. And then I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to open up my own casino. So I went, got my liquor and gaming license, opened up my own casino. No partners, just me. I paid for it, funded the whole thing myself, went through all the background checks, FBI background checks, everything you could think of. And uh, they knew things about me I didn't even know about myself, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, I went and uh, actually got approved and opened up a casino in Las Vegas. And I was there for many years. Very successful casino, too. I was there for many, many years. And uh, I'm not here to glorify sin. I'm not going to get into all the things that I'm sure you could imagine, what, what type of uh, lifestyle that is. Um, my job ended up being where I had to go to other casinos and entice other people to come to my casino. That was what my job pretty much ended up being. And... Uh, over the years, and my place was the hangout for all the FBI agents, all the police officers, all the city workers. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those big casinos like you see on television. It was one of the small little, you know, biggest one of the small casinos, though. It was probably the largest one of the smaller ones. You know, it was, it was a good size. My dance floor area was about as big as this room. So that's, you know, it was pretty good size. And, uh, but over the years, I, I'm kind of getting this feeling like, you know what, I don't need to be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. And God started impressing on me. He started pressing me more and more. And I'm like, why am I in this business? Okay, well, probably because I'm making 20000 bucks a week off those slot machines, you know, and that was just chump change, you know, 20000 bucks. Um, but, you know, you started seeing a lot of the problems that were going with those liquor and gaming businesses. I mean, moms coming in every single payday. It was just like a revolving door. And they'd be coming in with their half-naked kids who haven't even eaten yet. And they're looking for their boyfriends or husbands who are blowing their paychecks before they even go home to feed their kids. You know, and that was a regular occurrence. We'd know it as soon as they were walking in the door. It was like, okay, I'll take the kids and get them fed. You defuse the situation. You know, that's how normal it was. Um, you know, and, and God just kept saying, Mark, I want you for something else. And, uh, you know, over the years, I, I really became desensitized to a lot of this. You know, it wasn't our jobs as owners to care where the money was going. I had a guy that did an armed robbery the day after he blew his paycheck. Bartender showing me the article in the paper. I had another uh, couple, a senior couple, they would come in and 
and get markers. And they would sign a marker for a couple hundred dollars. And then they would spend the money, sign another marker. They lost everything they had. They lost their home, their entire life savings, left town in a pickup truck with a camper topper on the back. That's all they had left. I mean, they spent thousands of dollars a day on those slot machines. And the thing about it is, when you sign a marker, I could give every one of you a marker for a hundred or two hundred dollars because it's going to go right in my slot machine. The money never left the building. See how that works? There's these strategies that we have. And even if they won, they had to pay me back first. So even the winnings off the slot machines never left the building. You know, it's all strategy. We're the ones that developed face recognition. So we knew what kind of player you are when you walked in the door. That's what face recognition started. You know, they, um, yeah, they left and didn't have anything to their name. Nowadays, when you walk into a casino, they can know, they, it'll tell the computers, it'll tell them exactly how much money you have on you. Exactly how many bills you have. They can track you through the whole casino, know every machine you played, how much you won, how much you lost. If you're leaving the door with a lot of money, they're going to catch you. Say, hey, here's a free meal. Come on back. You know, yeah, very strategic. Uh, they had a slot, they, they started having credit cards behind the bar uh, so people could slide their credit cards and get cash. Um, business went up, sale, you know, money, money was really, really good back then. Um, I have, but one lady, she'd spend hundreds of dollars, you know, hitting that credit card all the time. And one day I'm behind the, uh, bar doing a count or something, and she's, uh, going with my bartender saying, hey, can you get $10 off this card? No, how about five? Try this card. See if you can get $5 off this card. She's trying every card in her purse, trying to get $5 to play a slot machine. Isn't that horrible? Well, that's nothing compared to finding her with a bullet in her head, committing suicide and orphaning three kids. You know, that's, that's what the business does. And then we're supposed to be desensitized to this. How do you think it felt to be at that funeral? I don't know. Because I didn't go. And I kind of said to myself, am I getting that desensitized? You know, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I said, Father God, whatever it takes to make me the person you want me to be, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to obey you, doesn't matter what it takes. And I did. You know, my lease was up in a couple months, and the landlord wanted to triple my rent which wasn't a problem. I could have paid it no problem. And I said, nope, nope, God wants me out. And I closed down shop, and I could have taken a couple years off if I needed to. You know, it wasn't about the money. And, uh, and I did. And, uh, but you have to trust and obey when God is talking to you. And you have to listen and have that discernment. And uh, I'll tell you, I, when, when, when I left the casino business, God had taken me out of the casino business, but he had not yet taken that liquor and gaming business out of me yet. There's a big difference there. And actually, I ended up, but I was really focused on Christ. I stayed focused on Christ. No matter what happened, I said, I'm going to stay committed to Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, I ended up getting married. Um, 
This was uh, uh, not too long after I closed the place down. And uh, I thought I married Miss Wright, uh, but I didn't know her first name was always. <laughs> yeah, she, she, uh, and she knew how to save money, let me tell you. I've never had anybody save money the way she could. She'd save $100 on that pair of shoes. She'd save $300 on a new uh, couch. You know, $4,000 she saved on that new car. She saved me almost right into bankruptcy. You know, $20,000 she saved on a new house for her parents. You know, I mean, she was really good at saving money. And I thought our relationship was great. I mean, I, we, I always held her hand. We always held hands. You know, because I knew if I didn't, she'd be out there spending money, you know. So, uh, but, but bottom line, when the money was gone, so was she. And, it, I mean, she put me so far in debt that I ended up having to spend about five months living in my car. And here I come from making all this money to having absolutely nothing, wondering where I'm going to eat next week. And... But what it told me, and I focused, I said, no, I am focusing on Christ. I am not going to do anything but have my tunnel vision towards Christ. And uh, Because, see, God tests us. He tests a lot of people through their prosperity, and other people he tests through their poverty. And right now, you know, the, 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 the worst tithing churches are in the richest neighborhoods. The least amount of per capita in churches is in the richest neighborhoods. It's just the way it is. When people have all that money, they're like, I don't need God. I got everything I need. You know, and then a lot of people that hit rock bottom, they're like, what? That's it. I give up on you, Lord. I am not going to deal with this. I was so much better off before. And they give up. And that's the way God separates the wheat from the thorns. He tests a lot of people that way. And He's doing it right now. You all see what the economy's like out there. There's a lot of shaking going on. There's a lot of testing going on. There's a lot of character that's being decided. Are you going to trust and obey in the Lord completely, or are you not? There's a lot of that going on. Some people are just teeter-tottering on the fence. They're like, I don't know which way I'm going to go, you know. Well, I've got news for you. The devil owns the fence. You need to get off that fence and get on some solid ground and start taking one step at a time with Christ. Amen? And that's what I did. I said, I am not giving up. And actually, it wasn't really even a matter of not giving up. I just had to surrender. And um, I started spending 15 minutes a day. And I was focusing on Christ the whole time, too, even before I really hit bottom. Uh, But uh, I started spending 15 minutes every single day on my knees. And for years and years and years and years and years and years now. And it took time. It didn't just happen overnight. I mean, it took time. But 15 minutes, that's less than 1% of your day. And I guarantee you, when you spend even 1% of your day with Christ, He will change your life, literally. And I started going to churches. I went to over 200 churches in Las Vegas. Yeah, and they have a church for everything. See, the thing about churches and the thing about religion, okay, is every single church... Every single religion, every single denomination, all have parts of the truth. Every single one of them do. But as I started going to all these churches, I found out that they weren't teaching the whole message. They were just teaching parts of the message. The largest church in Las Vegas, 
Their motto is, oh, the Bible's just a guide. You don't need to take it literally. Okay? This is the way Las Vegas is. They have churches for every little sin you want. They have churches that meet at the bars. And then they have service. And then they go back to the casinos after service. They have churches. I have a pastor with articles written uh, in, in the paper about how he gives classes on how to play slot machines after service. This is Las Vegas. There's a church for every single thing you can think of. And I finally, after 200 churches, and many of them, this was over quite a few years, and I really studied the Bible too over these years, and I said, I can't go to these churches anymore. None of them have the whole message. And I actually quit going to church altogether for about two years. But I stayed in the Word. I stayed studying the Bible. Stayed in prayer every single day. You know, and focused on Christ. Stayed in surrender. And then all of a sudden one day, this is about seven years ago, I run into 3ABN on television. And I'm like, wow, somebody who's actually teaching the entire message. I never knew anything about the Sabbath being on Saturday. I never knew anything about Seventh-day Adventist. And I've been to all these churches, but i just never been to one. And, and as soon as I walked in the door, I knew. I mean, the, God just, just poured me over and just knew that it was the right place to be. You know, and I studied and I kept praying and I kept going to service every week and I was sending contributions to 3ABN and they called me up and said, why don't you come on over and do a cooking show, you know. So I went over and did a couple of cooking shows there and, and just continued staying in prayer and really focusing on, on, you know, my growth. Everybody's got growth and you need to keep that. Doesn't matter how high you are on that, you know, ladder, you need to keep growing. And, um, and then I ended up last year, well, two years ago, Almost two years ago now, getting baptized by uh, Jim Gilly over at 3ABN. So, amen. Amen. Um, but I, I really, really study and, and pray for discernment. That is the biggest, most significant thing you can do. In fact, I'm going through, uh, 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 what was the Kansas. I was going through Kansas the, on, a, on a tour last year. And uh, here the, uh, uh, all the billboards say, Welcome to Oz. 200 miles. Stop into Oz. You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're talking about the Wizard of Oz. And then it'd be Wizard of Oz in 150 miles. And then 100 miles coming into Oz. You know, make sure you stop there. And I started to look at this and I was like, wow, that's it. And I did a parallel. I said, that's exactly what people are doing out there. They have the entire Wizard of Oz played out. Uh, you've got Oz, which would be hell. You got the wizard being the devil, of course, and then you've got uh, the, maybe the wicked witch, which would be representing sin. And what they would do is they would actually avoid some of the sin, right? And then they just skip along, la di da, not paying attention to the road they're on, and they're actually going down this ugly yellow brick road right to hell, instead of being on the streets of gold, going up to the streets of gold. See. And, and that's what's happening in the world. And I see it everywhere I go that people have part of the message, but they don't have the whole message. And the devil will do that. And unless you have that discernment, you're not going to see this. You're not going to see that there's only little parts. You, you know, the devil will make sure that you have parts of the truth. But he'll make sure that you don't have the whole message. And when you have that discernment, you start realizing how much of the whole message we need. I mean, it is amazing how much the devil will keep you in a state of hope. I mean, we you were talking about this this morning. And by the way, if you don't go to Sabbath schools, 
this is probably the best quarterly you will ever, ever. I mean, it is just fantastic. This would be the quarter to get to Sabbath school every single Sabbath morning. Because, uh, you know, fruits of the Spirit, I mean, it is the best. Um, but anyway, yeah, and everybody's like, I see some heads turning. They're like, the devil puts you in a state of hope? Yeah, big time. And uh, uh, the difference is between hope being a noun and hope being a verb. Okay? Our hope has to be Christ, not hope as a verb. In a, and here's a couple of, uh, let me see where they're at. I've got a couple definitions of hope in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews, let's see here. Greek, there's a few of them here. Um, assurance, boldly, uh, safety, confidence, faith, hope. Those are some good ones. Uh, here's some other definitions of hope in the Bible. Without care, carelessness, to attach oneself is a definition of hope. The folly of relying upon any other type of security is strongly contrasted with depending on God alone. That's a definition of hope. One who is overconfident and shows no caution whatsoever. That's a definition of hope. An express sense of resignation. That's a definition of hope. That sounds like hopelessness to me. So we've got to define, is it going to be hope in Christ? Hope Christ is our hope or an earthly hope? Hoping that this new administration will help us out. Hoping that uh, uh, the economy will get better. Hoping on a, that I hit a royal flush this weekend. See, see what I'm saying? And the reason I kind of saw this, and I, I, I really, it really hit me, was because a couple years ago, I, I woke up with this largest sound that I thought a semi had just hit the building. And, uh, and uh, no semi or nothing, but the sound kept getting louder and louder. And I'm listening, and it is hurting my ears so bad, i got to cover my ears. And I, I just, I knew my ears were going to explode any minute. And all of a sudden, it quit hurting. But it kept getting louder and louder. And I started listening to it, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, that's music. And it was so loud. I mean, it, it would have blown out every window in this whole city. And uh, I was like, oh. It's the second coming. This is what I thought, you know. And I go outside. It's just a plain dark night. Nothing going on. I'm like, well, it's not the second coming. I would have known that, you know. And uh, so I go back, and I'm sitting down on the bed, and I'm listening to this music, and I can hear every single, li- it was like thousands of songs, and all those songs was the compilation that was creating this majestic music. And I started listening, and, and I'm like, I could actually tune into every single note from each one of these songs that was being played. And it was just, just the most amazing thing. And, of course, I look back at my bed. I'm like, did I die? <laughs> you know? I'm like, no, I'm not back there. You know? So, you know, all you'd normally do is it. And um, for the next couple months, I ended up with such excruciating pain in my ears. And that's why I'm saying I kind of feel like uh, Saul when he saw the light. And, and even Paul later never had his eyesight right. And I have actual physical impairments in my ears now. This one's really bad. I can even move them at will and everything. Uh, and this is years later. So I wake up every single morning with this physical impairment of what happened to me. And so I have no need for hope. Okay? My hope is already fulfilled. Okay? And when we go to heaven, we're not going to need hope. 
Hope is fulfilled in heaven. And that's why I say we need to have our hope fulfilled here on earth today. We need to walk out those doors knowing that our hope is Christ and that our hope is fulfilled. Amen? And that's what people are going to see in us. They're going to say, wow, there's something about that person and that person and that person. What is it about them? And, and, and then God is just going to come fill you with, with such discernment when you pray for discernment. And, you know, when you've, I've, my hope's fulfilled. I can just go out there and reach people, and, and it's just a blessing to be able to do that. And I like, I like reaching people one-on-one. I like reaching just one person or two people. We had two people at Thielen that, that came up after service that were just, you know, just an absolute blessing to witness to them on that one-to-one level. Um, you know, I have this one lady... Her name is uh, Miss uh, Ilona, and she was actually a pastor at two churches in Las Vegas. And she needed help moving. I was helping this blind lady, and she needed some help moving to her new place. And I said, well, I can help you. i got a van. And uh, God was saying, help. I was like, okay, I'm going to trust and obey. And then uh, I moved her. I saw she had so many Bibles and so many Christian material uh, books, cases and cases and cases. And I was like, wow, man. I didn't know she was a pastor at the time. And uh, so we ran into each other a couple more times. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting with her one day, and we had actually kind of talked a few times, you know, and she knew I was a Seventh-day Adventist. And, and I looked at her and I said, you know what? I said, with all your knowledge of the Bible, I can't believe you don't honor the Sabbath. She kind of looks at me, and I kind of look back at myself. I was like, did I just say that? You know? I was like, because that's not something I would normally say. You know, but it was one of those things that, you know, it made a difference. Because she went and did her homework. She went back to her Hungarian Bibles. In Hungary, where she was born and raised, Thursday, Friday, Sabbath. There's no other definition for Saturday. We're one of the few countries. There's 106 countries in the world that that's what it is. Thursday, Friday, Sabbath. She just explained that to me about six months ago. Um, so we're one of the few countries that don't even call it the Sabbath. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday here. It's actually Thursday, Friday, Sabbath in so many places. And so she really came to grips with it. And so a couple of years ago, let's see, last year, let's see, almost one year ago, she got baptized in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Las Vegas um, in March 7th of last year. Amen. One person, that's all it takes sometimes and the funny part was, she has been invited to go back to those churches and she's been teaching two congregations about the Sabbath and all about the Seventh-day Adventist messages. Yeah, that's just one person. And I'll tell you, if you can reach that one person, it's a big, big difference. In fact, uh, they think that by the end of the year, she will um, be having... Uh, some Sabbath services at those churches. Amen. I'm going to put on a coat real quick here, and I'll be right out. Yes, i got to put on my painting outfit. I know, I don't want to get my coat dirty. It's something, huh, when you can just reach one person like that. So all you got to do is just reach one person. Hey! What, nobody got the message that said wear neon today? A couple of you did. I actually uh, am really blessed to, to know this lady, too, because iron sharpens iron. And when you can get closely with 
church, might even flip to become a company and then eventually a Seventh-day Adventist church. And that's just one person. And when you got that discernment, you trust and obey, those are the kind of things. And it's all about discernment, using God's heart and God's mind and God's you know, eyes instead of your own. We need to put ourselves aside and start using godly wisdom, knowledge, sight, everything like that. Amen. All right, I'll try not to get too dirty here. Give me your heart, give me your eyes so I can see. 
here we're going to take up an offering for his ministry to be able to go to other churches so the deacons will pick that up and then I'm going to ask Cherry to come up and to present a special song as well too as we have our closing and then we'll have Mark say a few words and we'll have the benediction here. There she is. Isn't that amazing? He had to do it here in the church because where we're going to have the meeting tonight, the ceiling's not high enough for us to put that big of a canvas up for him to do that. So uh, I was glad that he did it here today. Deacons will take up the offering. Remember, this goes for Mark's ministry to be able to go to some of the other churches. Go ahead, guys. And uh, let them be blessed as we have been blessed today as well, too.